Running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your hosts, Jerry Napoleonello and Kevin Donlin. Welcome back to another episode of Running Up the Score. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. He's Kevin Donlin. As we said, we are focusing now our whole podcast on straight football. We finally had week one. Week two is here, but it's time to just talk about what we saw in week one, and we're going to get into a lot here. And don't worry, fantasy friends, we'll be getting a nice dose of fantasy talk as well. So let's get right into it. We're going to start with what we learned in week one. What we learned. Week one. And I guess I'll start off with that Thursday night game. And we were able to talk about it here and there during our preview because we didn't get our preview out in time for Thursday night football. But that's that's fine. Mahomes and company didn't miss a beat. We knew it wasn't going to happen. Like we knew that they were going to be, they're they're basically the same team. They're you know, and without Damian Williams, plug in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and you might be even more dynamic. <laughs> it's scary to say that, but it's true. It doesn't look like it was really difficult for Patrick Mahomes to move that ball at any point. We all know this going into the football season. We know what Patrick Mahomes brings to the table. There was no shocker there. You know, for the Houston Texans, the shock for me was how impressive they were able to run the football, and then they weren't able to do anything with it because they rushed the ball better than the Kansas City Chiefs did in that game. There's no doubt that David Johnson looked like David Johnson from 2016. He was his cuts were correct. He was very effective. The problem was was that you could not use that running game to advance the passing game. I know Watson is a good player. I've seen him play really well. But I also know that he had someone like DeAndre Hopkins who can get open at will and just got to get this guy the ball. Now, when you take away DeAndre Hopkins out of that offense, now Will Fuller got open at will. You know, he was open a lot in that game. They obviously fed the ball to him a lot. You know, what troubled me more was, you know, watching Chris Collinsworth at some point legitimately sit there and say, that the Kansas City Chiefs had lost one of their cornerbacks. I think the guy Ward was yeah. his name. Shadarius He's Ward. a starting cornerback. Yeah. And while Watson dropped back, was sitting in the pocket, and you just heard Chris Collinsworth basically speak his mind saying, I can't believe that they are down a cornerback, and this quarterback, Watson, could not take advantage of it. Yeah. So that is an alarming stat for the Houston Texans. What I learned in that game is that the Houston Texans – have a ways to go if they want to find ways to win games in this division, this season at all, against any team, this conference, or even at a conference. Because I, right now, I know Kansas City's tough, and I know the pressure's on to score and match up with them. But you're not going to even match up with the worst of offenses in this situation. Because when you can run the football and you can't pass because you're able to run the football – it's a it's a very big problem. And yeah. it's not a problem that's fixed in one week. They were one of those disappointing teams to watch in week one. But I'm not going to put this... I'm going to wait a little bit on the Texans because I'm not going to put this all on them because you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. You're playing Patrick Mahomes. It's hard to Well, guess see. who you have to go through to oh, win the Super Bowl? Absolutely. And I when know. you sign a quarterback to the amount of money that they signed Watson to, you're looking... At yeah, Super Bowl. Absolutely. And uh, you know what? I, I've said this. I even said it in one of our previews when we were talking about the South. I said, being a Cowboys fan, I've dealt with the whole wide receiver by committee before the Amari Cooper days, after the Dez days. It doesn't work. And what drives me crazy is, you know, it's not that you just had a good wide receiver or a great wide receiver. You have, like, a generational wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. And some may say, you know, me may say that he's the best wide receiver in the league. And you get rid of him for a guy like David Johnson. To me, it was a bad move by the Texans. I don't know what Bill O'Brien was thinking. I know that they probably weren't going to be able to sign him 
and Deshaun Watson, and I guess you kind of side with the quarterback, but it's not going to work. You try to take as much profit as you can. I mean, but honestly, at that point, was it really smart to side with the quarterback? Because That's... I watched Watson struggle just now. Yeah. And you could say, uh, you know, a one wide receiver can't make a difference. You're right. It can't. You know, I've seen the best of quarterbacks make wide receivers. Absolutely. And it could also, you know, you talk about your Cowboys. It, str- it makes me wonder about the struggles of Dak Prescott. Can this man make wide receivers? Because those are the quarterbacks that make the $20 million a year. Absolutely. There's a reason why they make $20 million a year. And right now I can count. It's not just Watson either. There are so many quarterbacks right now that aren't creating wide receivers. Absolutely. And what I mean by creating wide receivers, I mean making, making them these house- wide receivers a name for themselves. Exactly. Making them household catch a football. names. You catch a football. You, you run routes. You get open. You make plays. Most quarterbacks are able to make plays. Aaron Rodgers makes wide receivers. Yeah. Valdez Scantlin, you put him on any other team in the NFL, he falls <laughs> down. Depth you charts. don't know who he is. <laughs> Lazard, you, same thing. Yeah. And he kept losing guys last year. Yet he continued to find ways to move the ball. It's true. I don't see it happening with guys like Deshaun Watson. I don't see it happening. I just yeah. don't. Yeah, and I mean, I'll even include Dak Prescott in that as well. He hasn't shown me that he can create wide receivers. Now, Michael Gallup is a great talent. Yeah. Amari Cooper, great talent. Cole Beasley isn't even a bad talent. These guys are route runners that can catch the football. Because I'm watching Tom Brady make some guy named Miller look like a hero because he's I able know. to throw the ball to him. And get the ball and in a spot where this guy can catch it. He's all he has to do is get at least a yard or two of separation, and Tom Brady's going to put it in the wheelhouse. So, when you're paying your quarterback, you need to understand that you need to have a quarterback that's willing to able to do that. Yeah, you know, I'm a Jet fan too, and Sam Darnold has not created wide receivers. Everyone's like, "Oh, the Jets don't have wide receivers." You have to be able to create them on flow of the offense. Yeah. Run the football, make defenses protect those lanes. There's no pass rush. You should be able to throw at Will. Absolutely. And right now for Deshaun Watson, it's an alarming situation for Houston Texans because you're paying this guy a lot of money. It's not going to end anytime soon. And you had a hard time. And you're right. The Kansas City Chiefs, tough team. Can't keep up with them at all times. But you're going to have to. Yeah. If you're going to make $20 million a year. That's how the the world works. There's going to be high expectations when you make a lot of money. It's why you make a lot of money. You make a lot of money because the team is expecting you to make a difference on this team. Yeah. And if you're not able to do it, then you're in for a rude season. Like a rude and a long season. And David Johnson looked great. Yeah. He had 10 he carries, 77 yards. That's seven yards a carry from your running back. And you couldn't keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs running the ball like that. You're in a lot of trouble. Like I said, the Houston Texans are a, a team that we're just going to have to see week by week. Don't get me wrong. I like Deshaun Watson a lot. I think he's a very good quarterback. He struggled in week one. And, you know, it sucks because you go from playing Mahomes in week one, no preseason, no nothing, and then you go to week two, and now you got to play the next guy that I want to talk about, Lamar Jackson. Another MVP-type performance that we saw from him. Uh, They made Cleveland Browns look absolutely horrendous. It brought up the same old Odell Beckham stuff, Baker Mayfield stuff. It made the Cleveland Browns turn somewhat of a season where they could have said, all right, you know what? We're putting the last year behind us. We're going to bring in this year. We're going to try to play better. We have the talent here. We're going to try to play better. Baker Mayfield, another year under his belt. And then you play Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and you give up 38 points and only score six. That defense in Baltimore, you know, I'm not going to tell you that the Kansas City Chiefs defenses don't push over. They're a very good defense, too. But the Baltimore Ravens defense is one of the best in the NFL. (laughs) you got to be able to score against them. And if they had a hard time against the Chiefs, I see the same thing happen from Watson this week. I don't care how good they run the ball. It's not going to matter because this kid can't move it after running for five yards on first down. Yeah. And if you're able to get the five yards on first down, you, know, you talk to someone like Sam Darnold, where you're getting one yard. Talk to someone like Daniel Jones, where you're getting negative three yards on first down. <laughs> yeah. And you have to make it happen, which at times Daniel Jones did, Sam Darnold did. And again, Watson is in for a rude awakening this week. The Baltimore Ravens should be able to win this game with plenty of ease. That's the thing. Like, 
you know, I, and you're running out of years with JJ Watt. I feel so bad for him. It's he's such man. a great talent. Yep. He's a great man. Gives back to the community. He's an amazing person. I I want a Super Bowl for him. It's just, it's just not going to happen no. while you have this guy under center right now because, unfortunately, he's struggling it uncontrollably. And like you said, no preseason week one. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's going to have to show me something this week, but I, I'm not expecting it. I'm not expecting it either. We'll take it from week three on when we're talking about the Houston Texans because you're going up against Mahomes. Yeah, you you're, you're going oh, up against yeah, exactly. Two <laughs> no. future Hall of Famers at this rate. Yeah. This is this is like AFC championship, these two teams. Like you're looking at the the Chiefs and you're looking at the Ravens probably in the AFC championship and you gotta play them back to back weeks in a season that you have no fans and you didn't have a preseason. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson, I feel bad for Bill O'Brien, but Going on to some other teams, you know, we go over to the NFC. Eagles front line. This was a front line that was very good. It was very good. The Eagles were still a team for the last couple of years. Were a team that, you know, were able to run the ball. They were able to to sit, like Carson Wentz was able to sit back in the pocket when he was actually on the field and was able to play well. Their front line in this game against Washington. And now we, I think everybody thought, that the Eagles should have won this game with ease. We said, even in our preview of the NFC East, that Washington is going to have a really rough season. It's going to be really rough. That front four for the Washington football team looked unbelievable. You come out of that game with, what, eight sacks on Carson Wentz, and you come back from a 17-0 deficit at halftime? Meanwhile, your your head coach is taking IV at halftime. I read an article today about that, and uh, you know he was able to come out with the speech yeah. at halftime because Ron Rivera obviously was dealing with what he had to deal with. Showed a lot about yeah. Haskins, you know, as a quarterback, and I thought the Washington Redskins did a great job of coming out in that second half. The first half couldn't have gone any worse, <laughs> and they found a way to continue to keep playing. I mean, they were in the same boat as the New York Jets, and there's the difference right there. The Jets actually gave up even more in the second half, and. Washington had no quit in them, and yeah. you give credit to them. They played a great game. They were definitely one of the shocking teams this week in week one, but I equally say it was as shocking for the Philadelphia Eagles because there's well, a lot more expected from this team, and they were nowhere to be found. With this matchup here, was it more surprising what Washington did, or was it more surprising with what the Eagles did, whether it be the way that they played in the first half or – just the the hype of this team, or at least just being better than the Washington football team heading into this season, I feel like it's kind of equal when you're thinking about how it was surprising that the Eagles' front line just fell apart like that, and it was surprising that the Washington football team played the way that they did, especially at you know being down that much at halftime. Well, I'm probably more surprised with the Washington Redskins, but than the Philadelphia Eagles because these games are division games, and yeah. what I've learned when I watch football for years is that no matter how good your team is or how bad your team is or how good your opponent is or how bad your opponent is, these division games are very close at all times. Yep. These coaches are well aware of the teams that they'll be playing twice a year. It's part of the job of being a head coach is being prepared to play these teams that you know you have to take on twice, and you know those games are more important than any other game this season. You could play teams from out of conference, in conference, But those division games are the difference makers because we know from watching football for a long time how important it is to win your division. Staying in the same division, we had Sunday Night Football. The Cowboys went to L.A. to open up the new stadium, which was a beautiful stadium. You know, Absolutely gorgeous stadium. Oh, my God. I felt so bad they couldn't have a fan there. Yeah. I remember just looking at it in absolute awe. It was an incredible stadium. Five billion dollar stadium. That's, and definitely, I could see where the $5 billion went. It's it's an absolutely gorgeous stadium. Absolutely. It's unfortunate fans can't I make just, it there. You look at it and you say $5 billion. Wow. But it, there's two teams that are going to play in the stadium. And you understand because now you could you could split it. And then when you look at you know all these other new stadiums, and I guess th- this is just me talking, I guess because we live in the New York area, but you look at all these new, these new stadiums, whether it be Allegiant Stadium in, in Las Vegas, which we'll, I think we're going to see this this week coming up in week two, whether it be SoFi Stadium in L.A., AT&T Stadium in Dallas, 
you could even bring in the 49er Stadium, Levi Stadium. New stadiums and how amazing these things look. And then you look at MetLife Stadium. Oh, we've talked about this over and over. And I just, it, it's a disgrace what they did. For two teams. I even saw they showed the numbers teams. and how much money was actually spent. <laughs> I'm still wondering where it went. I'm still. I'm thinking it just went to like you know them hiring extra people to work there because I don't know where all that money went. They spent because I don't see the upgrades enough. They spent almost what is it four hundred million dollars more than Jerry Jones spent on AT and T Stadium. <laughs> where did, where it go? did that go? I, I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> you know, and just the atmosphere. And I, you know, obviously you've been to MetLife Stadium. I've been to well, MetLife the atmosphere Stadium. for the Dallas Cowboys in SoFi was incredible. Obviously, they had a very very hard time. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You want to see go what? Did yeah, I, I, I did go. see what you, you did there. Let's go to war. But, <laughs> I, I mean, right now we're both 0-1. So, so, you, know, <laughs> you got you know. more hope than I, my team does. I'm at the point where I, I'm still waiting to see who we're going to draft number one overall. So <laughs> so back to the Cowboys. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting a different showing because of the new head coaching job. But Well, I noticed there was totally, a new head coach there. Definitely but, noticed a new head coach. Because yeah. I'll be honest, and I, we talked about this a little bit off the show. I'll tell you my extreme, extreme frustration with Mike McCarthy, and I don't understand how no Cowboy fan agrees <laughs> with me. I don't understand how you don't go for three late in that game. Oh, well, that means you're going to give them an opportunity. Guys, I don't know who the running back is on the Los Angeles Rams. Malcolm Brown was a very capable running back last year for them. Not that capable. Because they weren't that good of a team last year. There was nothing to fear on that offensive side of the ball. And your defense has done nothing but make upgrades. So why don't you have the confidence for your defense to go out there, make a stop, go back down, get another three? Because they lost that game because they didn't get that three points. As a Cowboys fan, we'll put that aside. I look at it as I like the call. Because, you know, and I'll, say, I'll tell you right now, everybody for the last 10 years as a Cowboys fan, hated Jason Garrett because he was too conservative. When it came down to it, oh, he was kicking 56-yard field goals. He was kicking 50-yard field goals. He's kicking. Any time that he had to kick a field goal, he kicked a field goal. There was never that time of, like, going for it and actually growing some, you know, berries and actually going for it. And now we finally There's get a. There's two sides to going there, for the there for is. forward and on fourth down. There always You is. know what? In that situation. The way the I look at that, always on the offense to get that fourth. Absolutely, down. and the way it's that I never on the defense. The way I look at that that situation was that they couldn't stop the Rams from going up and down that field. They couldn't, and you know they're down three. It's unfortunate because what did we sign all these guys for? Well, that, I that's say we. the I'm thing, not included, and, but why would you sign all these guys? That's if you can't the issue. Stop anybody with because it? the Rams played into that. They knew that all the. the the additions were on the defensive line. I mean, Jared Goff was getting rid of the ball within a second. There was never a time. And you know what? Olden Smith played very well. Don't I mean that he played I, the I best. That too. He did play very. He well. played the best was, on the Dallas Cowboys. Guy every play. When they started to ramp up some of the blitzing towards the end of the game, it's they started to get in, but it it got to a point where whether it be the screens. Or the quick passing. I mean, I don't even. I, I don't think Jared Goff threw over ten yards in that game, and it was all didn't just. Have to. He didn't. He didn't. And that but was the thing. We, the quarter, we struggled. When you get rid of the ball quickly as a quarterback, Jerry, what happens when you get rid of the ball that many times quick? Now, granted, the greatest ones can sit there and get rid of it all day long and yeah. not turn the ball over, but Jared Goff is not one of the great ones. No, he, he showed that last year. Yeah, clear as daylight. Now, granted, he played well. And like you said, you know, they couldn't stop talking about the announcers. Yeah. Was this a Collinsworth? Yeah. yeah, right? Couldn't stop talking about how quickly he was getting out of the ball, how they game planned for it. You make adjustments. Yeah. Tighten and up I, the defense. I, I didn't see. Tighten up the cornerbacks. I, I mean, I saw Punch somewhat, them at the line. Punch these receivers at the line. How are you not hitting them and making any contact, adjusting these routes well, that was my at the issue. line of scrimmage? That was my issue with that, was that the Cowboys were giving – so many yards from cornerback to wide receiver, they gave at least seven yards. And even on a third and, and short, who does that fall on? That falls on the defensive coordinator. But not even that. Like as as a cornerback, you know, all right, this guy's not going to run because there's no way Dallas doesn't have the talent to win. No, these games. I, absolutely, I know that. Every I know. loss that the Dallas Cowboys have <clears throat> all season long will fall 
on their coaches. Absolutely. Because they have talent to win every single game this year. I mean, you had Zeke, who was the highest Doing graded. Doing what he wanted. Highest graded running back in, in week one. As, did he what, you know, did whatever he pro wanted football in that talk. game. Or pro football focus, they he Pretty they well. had him highest graded. I felt like C D Lamb showed somewhat of signs of you know what he's going to be. I thought Dak it got better. I th- from yeah, last year. I thought Dak threw the ball well. I, I'm not. I'm. I thought he threw the ball well. I thought the offensive line with the injuries played okay. You're going up against Aaron Donald. No matter what, whoever it is across from Aaron Donald, I don't care if it's Zach Martin. I don't care doesn't if it's matter. you know. It He'll doesn't matter. He's going to get to you. So. I th- I felt like the offense played well. You know, obviously people are you know complaining about play calling, but you know what? You still have the if same you're offensive coordinator. Well, and you kick the three, and you have yeah. full confidence that your offense can get right back down the field again. Yeah, I, I my issue was was the defense. I think that that's where it all played in. That's why I they felt like those it. cornerbacks should have been punching yeah, people in the mouth absolutely. on the line of scrimmage and, and trying and to you bust them off their routes. You hope- and they just didn't weren't able to do it. They kept dropping off. And if you're going to do a, have a dominant pass rush and you're going to drop off on coverage, what good are you? This is the week that the Cowboys really have to show what they have. You can't go into AT&T Stadium this week and lose to the Atlanta Falcons. You can't do it. And this is the week that we'll see what the Dallas Cowboys are all about. You know, week one out of the way. Better this time. I mean, Matt yeah. Ryan came off a great performance, but yeah. Seattle has zero pass rush. Yeah. Zero Pass rush. Seattle's going to get thrown on all year long. They do not have a great defense. Jamal Adams made a couple of good plays here and there. He's not a difference maker. Yeah. He's a good tackler, and he'll get you maybe an extra sack. He'll help on the running game. But when it comes to passing the ball, teams should be able to do coverage. whatever they want. Yeah, he's not good in coverage. And they had three 100-yard receivers last week, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. You know, don't be fooled. You know, you gotta you gotta remember who they played. It's gonna be a much different defense this week. It's you know a different environment. It is a dome game, but you gotta find ways to stop Matt Ryan. So, and if you can't, have focus on Dak Prescott to make sure you can keep up with this. Speaking of expectations, there was no no bigger game I felt like that there was expectations with than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. We had Tom Brady finally in a new uniform first time in 20 years that we've seen Tom Brady You look great not in the Patriots uniform. <laughs> yeah. I don't he know if you're being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know oh, what? I want to see that man again. Week 1, no preseason, new team, new playbook, sloppiness. That's what you saw. I thought he threw the ball pretty well. Other than his his pick six and the other interception, what annoyed me about this game is that you're playing the Saints. Yeah, I'll, I'll get right to the point of this game. Yeah, play the Saints. They're a good team. They're a good yeah. team in every aspect. Their, their defense, defense looks really offense, good. They, they are a great team. Yeah. Now it's Tampa Bay. I'm watching Bruce Arians after the game, sitting there talking about how his wide receivers couldn't get separation. Yeah. You have Mike Evans. You have Chris Godwin. These are two of the top wide receivers in football, and you're putting the blame on them as to why you couldn't move the football. You had your running back run the ball 70, 17 times for 66 yards. That's not that good. That's not that good at all. No, not at all. You're about four yards a carry. Yeah. Which isn't bad, but it's not great either. It's not seven yards a carry. Like we just talked about with David Johnson earlier. <laughs> yeah. It's a big difference. That way you're going to have more pressure on your quarterback to have to go out there and make big plays. And Tom Brady is more than capable of doing it. But there's no way you're keeping up with the New Orleans Saints. And their defense, don't discredit the New Orleans Saints defense in this game at all. Oh, Tom Brady to a pick six. No, no, no. The Saints got a pick six. Yeah. That's, and, way, you know mean, that's how I see the game of football. The Saints, Saints looked really good on defense. I think they showed even more on defense than they did on offense. I Absolutely. thought their offense was... Rather sloppy, to be honest with you. You know, that's you what know, you expected. But it, one, and though, that's a lot of these and that's the thing, like, like I said, Dak Prescott can get every benefit of the doubt. Same thing with any other quarterback in the NFL. Sam Darnold, I'll include with that. Daniel Jones, I'll include with that. Daniel Jones had a pick, whatever. All these quarter, no preseason, no preseason. That's, that's the, the first week thing. of the season. You had to expect this yep. to happen. Yes, you, you can't know, be on the same page having discussions about the offense through Zoom. Yeah. It's hard. The way we're talking right now, yeah. this is how they're having team meetings about how to prepare for a Sunday. Like, it's hard you're, enough you're for not, us. It's not going to be the same. It's hard enough for us to do a show through Absolutely. Zoom. Now, could you imagine a team having 
over 200 plays in a playbook have to talk about <laughs> their plays through Zoom. Mm-hmm. Like it's what they're gonna try it's to tough. Do to a yeah. team and everything. There's a lot that goes into it. I think we're going to see a different team when it comes to Tampa Bay this week. They're home. They're against Carolina. I feel like you're you're going to see the the Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense like we're expecting. And I think they'll they'll come out, you know, guns firing, you know, this week. And I think this is the week that everybody's going to be like, wow, this team could actually be pretty good and could even fight for the, the NFC Championship. I felt like it was kind of sloppy. The the Saints kind of looked sloppy on offense. Those two teams, I'm taking all these week 1 sloppiness and I'm going to just say there's no preseason. It's week one. Let's see what we have the rest of the, the rest the of New the New Orleans year. Saints. Yeah. I'm not writing off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after a loss yeah, to the New no, Orleans Saints. absolutely. That's like me writing off the Houston Texans after exactly. a loss to the exactly. Kansas City Chiefs. And a loss to the Ravens. <laughs> who knows? You <laughs> yeah. never know. No, I mean, I, Watson's going to have to show me something different than what he did last week. But his wide receivers were open. Yeah. Moving on. Continuing <laughs> what we were talking about. Speaking of Tom Brady, we're going to go to his old team. And we'll talk about you know what we learned from New England Patriots in week one. And the first thing I guess I'll say, and it was the most glaring thing, was that Bill Belichick kind of opened up the playbook a little bit. We saw... Had no choice. What was it? It's a different team. What was it, 17 rushes or 15 rushes by Cam Newton for like 70-something yards? I can't name no wide receiver (laughs) after Edelman. I wanted to name Nikhil Harry, but he had a terrible turnover in that game as well. I think this game being really, really close was more of a credit to the Miami Dolphins. I think they made a lot of additions this season like we had talked about. Especially on the And they were definitely, no doubt, a better team. Their offense is still abysmal. Yeah. But their defense showed a lot because it's not easy to stop Cam Newton under a Bill Belichick-run team. I think that the New England Patriots offense will be definitely having strides without a doubt. You know, I'm going to give credit to the Miami defense right there. They played a great game, kept this game close, but obviously it's Bill Belichick. He'll find a way to win. And he's using Cam Newton the way people should be using Cam Newton. Obviously, the guy's a big boy, can still run, clearly looks healthy. Credit to the New England Patriots. They played a great game. Miami Dolphins are going to have a lot of work cut out for him. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick starting week two, and I think every Miami fan wants to jump ship well, that's, until uh, Tua comes. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you. Let's Let's make a prediction here. I'll make one, you make one. When is Tua under center? I say by week four. With the no preseason and everything like that, that's why I, I kind of... That's what they said. He's, yeah, no, he, absolutely. He's dressed. He's healthy. I was more so saying, like, with no preseason, I think Fitzpatrick will be able to keep them 500, and then we'll end up seeing two of maybe week six. But I think the way that week one went, and I know there's no preseason, I know, but I feel like Fitzpatrick has been with this team. The playbook's are about the same. You You should know what you have. I, I'm going to say week three. I was going to say week four, but then you said week four, so I'm going to say week three. Absolutely, if they continue to throw <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like around that area. I'm just saying around, you know, yeah. if he does nothing this week, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I could see two going in by halftime I, I uh, because mean, that defense played well. You know, it's not easy to stop Cam Newton. It is not easy to stop him at all. No, not at I all. I thought they did a great job for the most part for four quarters to take care of that. Yeah. You know, aside obviously from a Nikhil Harry, terrible turnover and – you know, that game might not have been as close as it was supposed to be, but I still thought the defense there, I mean, I don't care if it's the half-yard line. Yeah. Someone stripped that ball from that kid, and that's a great play by that man. And Absolutely. he should be getting praised in the Zoom call this week. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the injuries that was basically the headline of week one. And I think that at one point, I'm trying to remember who who said it. I think it was on NFL Network, and they said that Hamstring injuries were the biggest thing that happened over week one. And that mm-hmm. at one point, there was 40 players out with hamstring injuries. I'm going to tell you right now, I just did a leg workout before we did our show today. <laughs> and I was doing squats. And even I felt it in the hamstring. <laughs> yeah. Okay? It's a very, very common thing to uh, bother. Yep. The problem with a hamstring injury is it does not go away it's anytime linger. soon. Yep. You know, that's the problem with that injury. You know, a lot of people even just talking on fantasy terms and – you have a, a hamstring injury, you certainly feel like you could play up until game time. But the second you re-aggravate that injury, which it's only a matter of time before you do so, and you can have about six weeks off you know, trying to recover from this, and you can come back and tweak it right off the bat. They're very, very tricky injuries. Yeah. It's a very tricky muscle to work out, let alone a tricky muscle to keep healthy. So when it comes to these hamstring injuries, they're, they're almost disastrous, especially for running backs and wide receivers and route runners. 
you know, you got to be able Absolutely. to cut. And it's very difficult if you can, if your hamstring is bothering you to cut the same way. So it's a, it's a very imperative injury. And it's been a big talk of this week in week one. There was a lot of people that got hurt, a lot of big names that got hurt, probably more than I've ever seen in a while. Actually, I'll be honest, the last two years in the NFL, there were very limited injuries when it came to star players. And here we are after week one. And I've already right seen, I can bat. name five of them right now that have yep. uh, gone down with injury and uh, Lindsay and. Michael Thomas, Le'Veon Bell, these are great players, and they, you know, well, now they're not going to be uh, seen for a while. Just in the process of doing our show for the preview and putting them out and making the videos and stuff like that, I always listen back. And one thing that stuck out to me was when we were talking about the Colts. And we, we were talking about Marlon Mack having a breakout season, even more than he did last year. And you mentioned... I think Marlon Mack's going to have a great season, but he's got to stay healthy. And right off the bat, week one, we lose Marlon Mack for the season with a torn Achilles. And it's a big blow to the Indianapolis Colts. It's a big blow to the fantasy owners that had him. Now I'm going to say, go get Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> you know, that's that's a big thing to say. It was funny. Like, we're going to be talking into waiver wire pickup soon and talking about Naheem Hines as being one of them. But Jonathan Taylor, this is his time to shine. Yep. And he's got every capability of being able to catch a ball out of the backfield. He can catch the ball. He did it at Wisconsin. I watched him do it. He's a great talent. He went in the fifth round. And like I said to you, you know, a lot of these rookie players were very skeptical for me to draft on the basis that there was no preseason. But Jonathan Taylor was one of the few that I disregarded with that because of just how talented he was. You see all these great players come and you hear their names nonstop in college. And I couldn't stop hearing Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. Couldn't stop hearing about him. Now, granted, that Wisconsin offensive line was one of the best. They had a lot of those guys went up early in the draft, and they'll probably have some some of them going up early in the draft this year. And they're very talented up there, and a big reason why Jonathan Taylor can work. But the same thing is in Indianapolis. Got a great offensive line there. There's no excuse Jonathan Taylor will perform. And I know the Indianapolis Colts had a very, very upsetting loss week one, but I expect them to bounce back quite easily in week two. They're too good of a team. And you know, Jacksonville, honestly, was probably one, if not the biggest surprise the entire week for me. Going and back, just the fact that they were able to get that win. Going back into the injuries, the, the big names, you had Cowboys tight end Blake Jarwin out for the season. Cowboys linebacker Leighton Vanderesh, broken collarbone. He's on IR for about eight weeks. Guys like Lane Taylor, he's out for the season for the Packers. David Njoku put on IR, will miss three three games about for with an MCL sprain. You had Vinny Curry, hamstring, IR. George Kittle got hurt. Also, you know, like you said, Le'Veon Bell out. Devontae Parker got hurt. C.J. Henderson got hurt. Desmond Trufant. The list goes on. Michael Thomas, Duke Johnson. It was scary how many injuries happened in week one. And we're hoping that we're not going to get that. I mean, especially for fantasy owners, like you don't want this to happen in week two. But you have to say, like, no preseason. You had somewhat of a a shorter training camp, having barely a, a training camp. You know, they were only allowed to hit each other maybe twice a week like that. That's the type of stuff that you start to see. When you go into full pads, you go into a full game, and everything changes. So now, just kind of moving on to you know different things that we saw. We're gonna pick here best performances of the week. I felt like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the Green Bay Packers, and the Seattle Seahawks had the best week in my eyes, at least. I don't know about you. You know how how you feel about those four. Do you have anybody else that you want to add to this list of best performances of the week? The Bills played very, very well. That Jet team, you know, everyone was talking they're a bad team, they're a bad team. They're not as bad as a lot of people thought. They're a very good team, but the Bills looked very impressive. Now, aside from two Josh Allen fumbles, that game should have been 150 to nothing. Complete control. And this coming from a Jet fan, and it hurts me to say it, the Buffalo Bills played a great game. Still iffy about Josh Allen, again, turnovers and unnecessary turnovers, gave every opportunity for the New York Jets to come back into that game. Yeah, The Jets had no business being any part of that game. They just don't have the talent that matches with the Buffalo Bills. And I thought Jets played a great job of getting, containing that pressure, but they had constant pressure. They're a great defense. But again, they're just going to go as high as Josh Allen. And uh, I was impressed with Buffalo, but how, how they were able to win this game 
despite the fact that they got a couple of turnovers from their quarterback, especially in Jet territory, both of them. Mm-hmm. And I also want to exclude one of the teams you took. I, I, I'm going to exclude the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson's a great player. I knew this was coming. But they showed me nothing to be impressed about. You give up three 100-yard receivers. Thank yeah. God for Russell Wilson. Or you had no shot in that game. The Atlanta Falcons got a great offense. There's no doubt. You should never be giving up three 100-yard receivers. 100-yard yeah. receivers. It's true. Eden Eden Hurst added another 40 yards. Matt Ryan threw for 400 yards, almost five. Now, granted, they were behind a lot of the game and whatnot. Seattle's got a lot of work to do on that defensive side of the ball, and they know it. There's no pass rush. It does not exist. It's not going to exist all year. Seattle's going to have a hard time winning games. Just wait until they start playing within their division. Because if Arizona can knock off San Fran, Arizona can knock off any of them. I, I I wrote Arizona off in the beginning of the season. And after an impressive win against San Fran, I I can't see them not finding a way to beat teams like Seattle. Or, I, that's, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like you know, I had them listed closer division than a lot of people expected. Yeah, I had them what listed third in the, in this division. I had because I had the Rams as as last. But surprising performances of the week, I have three. You have Washington, Jacksonville, and the Las Vegas Raiders. We wrote the Las Vegas Raiders off. And they surprised the hell out of us. Well, the Raiders also a pretty decent matchup. You know, you got to find yeah, a way to absolutely. win that game. That's a winnable game. Give me a call when they take on the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Give me a call when <clears> anybody takes on the Chiefs, though. <laughs> you know, I was quite impressed with the Denver Broncos. They lost, but they kept that mighty Tennessee offense to 16 points. You know, Locke did a great job considering not having his number one in Sutton. I think Judy was a pleasant surprise. Had not having Von Miller, their defense was very effective. I was very impressed with the Denver Broncos, despite the fact that they lost Von Miller for the year before my prediction. But I'm not going to change my mind on them. I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to be up there in that division. So now we go to the disappointing performances. I have five in this list. The Dallas Cowboys, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the San Francisco 49ers, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Indianapolis Colts. I don't disagree with any of them. I think Dallas, you know, even coming from a Dallas Cowboy fan as you are, I think it's a little harsh. You know, the Rams are a good team, and you were on the road. It's a difficult place to play, difficult game to win. You know, the Rams are a good team. You can't write them off completely. They, you know, this is the team that went to the NFC Championship two years ago. There hasn't been too many changes aside from the fact of losing Todd Gurley, but obviously they didn't skip a beat. That offensive line is still there getting push. The defense is still there. They got great secondary back there. Aaron Donald still exists. I don't really want to credit or discredit the Dallas Cowboys. It's more along the lines that I credit the Rams more for that win. I agree with everything else, though. Uh, obviously, the Colts were a big disappointment in that game. That's a game you got to find a way to win. Jacksonville, you know, lost their running back. They didn't even run the ball that well. You got to stop their passing game, especially if they're not running the ball well. Minshew had a really good performance, though. I, I will say, I, that. I, yeah, I was very impressed with him. I mean, yes. it took him. Out. Everyone was talking about how uh, Russell Wilson hadn't had an incompletion in the very early of that game. No one was even talking about Minshew doing basically the exact same numbers yeah, as uh, Russell like Wilson in the early going of that game, like that. and he played very efficiently. Got Jacksonville a win, uh, probably one of the most impressive performances of the week, but it's equally disappointing in the Colts because the Colts had every opportunity to score late in that game. You have one of the best offensive lines of football. Rivers got to make it happen, and I think Rivers understands that, and I think coming into week two, it makes that you know makes this week just as important, if not double it. A lot of pressure on the Colts to find a way to win the game this week, but definitely disappointing in the first week. This is a new segment that I'm going to have fun with. You know, a lot of you see a lot of this on you know the sports channels and stuff like that. Overreactions, and I have three here, so I'm going to bring them up. You tell me if it's an overreaction or you feel like it, it's it's true. So number one, is Tom Brady done? No, the guy's older. I'll go a lot more. That guy kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> I mean, Tom it, Brady it comes not, up Tom every Brady year. Is not done. That was a tough Saints defense. I'm a little aggravated at uh, Bruce Arians, to be honest, for putting that on Tom Brady. Because I'll be yeah. honest with you, I don't know what you you expected. Superman is your quarterback. You're just as responsible as the offensive coordinator and the offensive play caller to make this happen, and you clearly didn't. I put the blame on the head coach for that one. I don't put the blame on Tom Brady. You talk about Tom Brady threw a pick six. No, the Saints got a pick six. They got a good defense. You knew this going in. And I'll be honest, I was more impressed with the Tampa Bay defense. And the offense could have had a shot to win that game. But after you just had a quarterback with 30 interceptions last year and throwing it under your quarterback again, discrediting, saying that <laughs> basically true. this guy throws picks. You're like, it's Tom Brady. He's not going to do what Jameis Winston did. He's going to move the ball for you. You need to find a way to win football games. And that's on you, head coach. You taking an interview and blaming your quarterback and then blaming your wide receivers not getting separation you're you're gifted with two of the best wide receivers in football enough that was nonsense that post-game interview i was disgraced by it 
he should be disgraced by it. And I don't discredit anybody on that offense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It takes time to gel all this, especially without a preseason. And the team is completely revamped. You got Gronkowski playing a role there. You got Tom Brady playing a role there. Okay, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin take their usual slots. This guy Miller had no idea who he was. He was a big impact. There's a lot that goes into that Tampa Bay offense. I think they're going to be fine. Tom Brady loves them, uh, those short, speedy, quick wide receivers. Of course. That's why I'm a little confused. You have two deep threats in Godwin and Evans for the longest time. Tampa, make a trade. <laughs> yeah. You should not keep both of these guys on your team. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm mystified by it. They're the same kind of player. These guys are literally two deep threats. You don't have a short range guy. And you have a running back named Ronald Jones who hasn't impressed anybody yet. And you go out and get someone like Leonard Fournette. I give it two weeks before the guy gets hurt again. Leonard Fournette never stays healthy. The next one, same old Cowboys. No, I think the Cowboys will find ways to win games. I don't think there's anybody in that division that's going to win a game against them. That's just my opinion. Washington looked great, but it looked like they had sketchy times. Philly's obviously looking sketchy. The New York Giants are looking a little sketchy. Dallas Cowboys, you know, they look pretty good, but they definitely by far played the toughest team. Cowboys played the Rams and... Philly took on Washington. That was a matchup that neither team looked too impressive. You know, Giants, give them credit. They took on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, that's like, this is the worst time to ever take on the Pittsburgh Steelers when yeah. Ben Roethlisberger is healthy. It is healthy, yeah, uh, exactly. But the Giants, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Play them uh, in week nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see when yeah. Ben Roethlisberger is still healthy yeah. by then. But obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers are no write-off. They're a very, very good team. It makes it very difficult, so I'm not writing off the Giants completely. I thought they were very impressive considering as such. I thought they were empty sets considering you're playing one of the best pass rushers or two of the best pass rushers in football. That Pittsburgh team really gets after you, especially the front. And Giants are finding ways to move the ball somewhat, but obviously they had no shot in that game. Their defense is at another level. And when I'm referencing the Pittsburgh Steelers, their defense is at another level in comparison to the New York Giants. Yeah, absolutely. So now the last one. Is the Arizona Cardinals going to take over the NFC West? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, that's why I said it. <laughs> that's why I said they're over. Hey, don't get me wrong. It's an impressive win against a San Francisco team that, <laughs> I mean, I could have put on the pads and played wide receiver for that team. <laughs> yeah. You had George Kittle get hurt for a little bit in that game. No healthy wide receivers. I felt really bad for Garoppolo. People talking about him, putting it on him. The guy's not getting separation. Uh, give credit to the Arizona Cardinals for that win. They they stuck at it. They kept fighting, and they found a way to win a ball game. I'll credit them to the tippy top. I, I don't see them going to the tippy top of this division. <laughs> There's no shot they're going to sit there and be up there at the end. Uh, think, they played uh, a great game, and they found a way to beat a very, very tough team. But San Fran has no wide receivers right now, so they're really not a tough team when you don't have anybody a wide receiver. But the 49ers like aren't going to have – Creating wide receivers and whatnot, it's at another level. The 49ers aren't going to have huge difference when you saw Sanders in the game last year. And obviously you take Sanders away now and Debo Samuel is not playing and they drafted a rookie and he's not playing. And, you know, George Kittle was out half that game or he was definitely bothered by something with his knee for a good half of that game. It's just hard to put a criticism on the San Francisco 49ers right now. Their defense is still really, really good. I'll credit Kyler Murray for finding a way to move the ball against a very, very tough defense in San Fran, but that's the top I'm going to go. You know, are they going to have a better year than last year? No doubt. They made their team better last year. They got somebody like Hopkins. David Johnson was non-existent anymore for that team. Obviously, he wasn't even playing with them anymore. They had Kenyon Drake, and they were rolling with him. But that was a tough defense. I thought Drake still played okay, finished with a touchdown. I think he'll be fine in the next week. We'll see as time goes along. I don't think they're going to take the division. Will they be up there? Possibly. But it's going to be tough. you got to take on Seattle. You're going to take on the Rams. And, you know, the Rams are a well-oiled machine right now. And, you know, it's going to be tough to, you know, stop this team. I, the only thing I read off with the uh, Arizona Cardinals was their defense was not that good. But it's not really that bad to stop a team that can't throw the football because they had yeah. no wide receivers to throw to. Arizona always plays San Francisco pretty well. so Well, they'll play um, everybody in that division very well. Yeah, they always do. And, I'll, I'll, I'll credit where it's due. The Arizona Cardinals fight. Oh, yeah. In that division. But the defense is just not another level in comparison to the San Fran uh, Rams defense. I'm not going to include Seattle after what they did to, with Atlanta. It's funny when you watch uh, the Arizona Cardinals and you watch Kyler Murray play, just I, I feel like his ball, like the his throw, always looks so much sharper than anything else. Like, and then just like he just looks so much quicker than anybody else on the field. I feel like this team is on the upswing, like really, really up on the upswing. I think if they they shore up the defense a little bit, 
And I mean, Which really, like do. add it to their happen, offensive line. It's just not going to happen this year. No, 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 it's not happening this year. But I know a team in they'll the, make uh, strides. They'll win more games than last year, but they definitely uh, their defense needs a lot of work. DeAndre Hopkins played really well. I know a team in the Absolutely. AFC South that would really love a wide receiver like that. I have uh, <laughs> no idea what San Fran was doing towards the end of that game. I, there was one play in particular where I felt like every wide, wide receiver on Arizona was covered <laughs> except DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins, and you yeah. think he's a vocal point, and you yep. think you'd have somebody on him. And that was one of the biggest plays of that game. So that's just a defensive lapse that's on a San Francisco defense. It's not expecting to do things like that. And they lost the game because of it. You, you just It shows – you know, one play can't make a difference. Oh, it absolutely can make a difference. That was the play that made a difference in that game. Yeah. Defense had a lapse. I mean, it might have been a brief lapse, but it was a big enough lapse to cost the team to win. Waiver wire pickups now. Waiver wire pickups. Now, this is, you know, the fun time. This is where championships are won in the waiver wire. So now we're talking about. I'm never a big fan after the first week to pick up waiver wire pickups. There are some good ones out there. I mean, I know Snow was available in a lot of leagues. Yeah. I'm surprised he was. He probably shouldn't have been Gene James Conner's backup. He's probably the number one waiver wire this week. You definitely want to grab him. He's he's definitely showed himself as the starter in that team. Now, Conner, even if he's semi-healthy, Snell's obviously going to be a big impact because he played a great game. Obviously, they put on the New York Giants, and everyone's going to run the ball on the New York Giants. Don't overcredit it, but according to whatever happened in week one, and you know, obviously there's not much to really go with, <laughs> Snell Jr. is obviously uh, you know, the number one pickup without a yeah. doubt. I got five, and I'll give you a bonus one as well. So, Mm -hmm. Malcolm Brown, I feel like, should be picked up. He's on 27% of rosters, at least heading into yesterday. Nahi Himes, running back for the Colts, was on Mm -hmm. 19% of rosters. Robbie Anderson had a big week with the the Panthers. They're probably going to have to be throwing the ball a lot because they'll probably be Behind in games. I look at Robbie Anderson. He's on 31% of rosters. Gardner Minshew, you know what? Maybe put him as your backup. You know, throw him in on a bye week or whatever. Gardner definitely Minshew, proven that he definitely belongs on yeah, rosters. He's on 26% of rosters. And then you have a guy like Corey Davis, wide receiver for the Titans. You know, he's on 5% of rosters. So he's definitely available. You know, people really, really hyped up A.J. Brown. And Corey Davis is a first-round pick too. So exactly. So it's a very logical pickup and actually one of the best this week. And my bonus pick is the Washington defense. 4% of rosters, especially that they're going up against a team like Arizona who struggles at the offensive line. You know what? You just had eight sacks against the Philadelphia Eagles. You know what? If you need, if you have a bad matchup with your defense, throw them up against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Kyler Murray's going to be too difficult to stop. He's a much different player than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a statue. Kyler Murray does anything besides stand still. Yeah, uh, it'll be a very difficult day for Washington. I, I, I'm a little nervous about that. Plus, I'm not sure if their offense will ever put their defense in a good situation. That, you know, we've that talked is about this. It's just as a, you having you know in fantasy football. I'm not hating on the actual Washington football team's defense per se. The yeah, personnel, yeah. not at all. It, it's the whole team that plays. It's going to put your defense in a bad situation. And you're then you're only as good as yeah. Like let's absolutely. like for example, the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the best defenses in football, no doubt. Yeah, they lose Ben Roethlisberger last year. All of a sudden, their offense is putting their defense in a bad state because these are the best players you can have on defense. Absolutely, but they get tired. They're human. You do three and outs nonstop. Yeah, your defense is out there for a while. You're gonna give up points. You can't discredit them for it. But at the same time, it is what it is. So now. Stardom sit him. Stardom sit him. We're going to give one start, one sit for each position. And I'll start it off with the quarterback position. Start QB. And now I probably just contradicted my bonus pick, but that's also just thinking about, you know, down the rest of the season with, you know, the, the waiver wire pickups. But my start QB basically kind of fits in what you were what you were saying against the Arizona Cardinals. I feel like Kyler Murray is a good start at quarterback. Well, Kyler Murray, obviously, you know, with the with the legs, it makes a huge impact. Yeah. And obviously, I've seen it just early on from every quarterback out there. You know, if you have a quarterback that's going to sit there and be able to move it with his legs as well, Cam Newton, a perfect example, yeah. but of a 25 in week one. Yeah. I think he threw it for, what, 150 maybe? <laughs> yeah. 200 tops? But he had 70 uh, rushing yards and a touchdown. I'm probably going to put the credit to that. You know, Kyle Murray obviously being able to run the football. Yeah. 
and obviously, you know, me, me personally, I don't, uh, you know, the start for me, no doubt is Aaron Rodgers. I think the way he was slept on all year long was a funny thing in drafts. I started laughing. And when I say all year long, I mean all offseason long. Yeah. The way he got drafted in fantasy leagues is almost disrespectful. He's like this year's modern day Lamar Jackson. You got to gotten this guy in the eighth round. You have a full team to go with it. You're a dangerous team right now. Aaron Rodgers, no doubt, the quarterback to start this week. Taking on the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions didn't show me much. They definitely were giving up points to everybody. <laughs> and I think Matt Stafford's actually going to put extra pressure on Aaron Rodgers to throw even more in that game. So I think that's going to be a shootout. One to watch, a fun one to watch. But Aaron Rodgers, no doubt. I'm saying minimum 25 for him. So who's your sit at the quarterback Maybe position? Maybe a 40. <laughs> who's your sit at quarterback? You know, my sit for the quarterback position, actually, it's kind of funny, will be Matt Ryan. Okay. I think Matt Ryan's taking on a much different battle than he did in week one. Seattle's defense, obviously, Swiss cheese. Dallas Cowboys, you know, you could you could say they were Swiss cheese, but they're definitely going to have a pass rush. Matt Ryan has a hard time with pass rushes. I've seen Matt Ryan take hits all the time, slowed up games, games where he just becomes non-existent when he starts getting hit early, and uh, obviously it gets in his head, and... Uh, he's definitely someone I'm not willing to uh, start this week, no doubt. And it sounds like it could be a shootout, dome game. Yeah. Every reason to start Matt Ryan. He had a great week one. You know, this is probably just my prediction, which is like going away from most of the public. Yeah. But in my expert from watching this for a long time and seeing what kind of player Matt Ryan is, I know he's a very inconsistent player. And this is not the week to put him in. So my sit is going to be Carson Wentz. Now, I know we saw against Washington, and I'm mainly just putting this as the sit because of the banged-up offensive line and the offensive line against Washington. And I know Washington's front front four, front seven is very good, it, and the addition of Chase Young, it just adds to that. But I just feel like if they're going to be able to do what they did, if a team does half of what Washington did to the offensive line of Philadelphia – you're not going to see a good game from Carson Wentz. I just feel like this is not the game for Carson Wentz to to be starting for for your team. Moving on to the running back, my start, and we just talked about him a little a little while ago, is going to be the Colts' Jonathan Taylor going up against Minnesota. Now Minnesota, a couple of years ago, you would never say any running back against the Minnesota defense, but that Minnesota defensive front line is not the same. And I feel like the Colts are going to lean a lot on Jonathan Taylor, to be totally honest with you. And I think you're going to see Naheem Himes in the passing game. And I think Jonathan Taylor's a good pick to start. You know, for me, it's going to be Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had a you know decent week one. He takes on the Jacksonville Jaguars, who took on those Indianapolis Colts week one. And obviously, we talked about how effective Jonathan Taylor was in that game, as well as Naheem Himes. Uh, it seemed like the running backs had plenty of space in that game. The linebacking core for the Jacksonville Jaguars needs to be better. But now they got a, a big mission. they got to take on a powerhouse like Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry does whatever he wants this week. And he's yeah. definitely, uh, in my eyes, the number one running back and a must-start. My sit running back is going to be Leonard Fournette. I'm sitting Leonard Fournette regardless on the basis <laughs> that Ronald Jones is uh, a big impact too. And it's still unpredictable if he knows the playbook. So I understand that completely. Me, I'm going to take a bigger risk here. I mean, I took a risk him, you know, with Matt Ryan. I'm going to do the same thing. Saquon Barkley. You know, I know you drafted yeah. this man second overall, but this is not a great matchup. The Chicago Bears are an amazing front. Yeah. They're going to stop him. Yeah. You know, he might be able to get yourself a 15 max, but he's really, you know, that's your max right now is what I'm seeing out of Saquon it's Barkley. It's going to be more out of the too. passing game. And it has nothing him. to do with the talent on Saquon yeah. Barkley. You know, I keep telling Giant fans this. I will continue to say Saquon Barkley is definitely one of the top three backs talent-wise. No doubt. In my personal opinion, I think he's the best talent-wise running back out there by far. He's an amazing talent. Amazing. Yeah, I know you're going to talk about Zeke yikes, Elliott. Yikes. Feed me. Da, 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 da. That <laughs> offensive line is incredible with Dallas. I, and Zeke, I'm not going to told, you know, I know that not everyone can run the football in this league. Zeke Elliott's a great player, but Saquon Barkley is a freak of nature. He really is. And I'm telling you to sit him on the basis that he just doesn't have the blocking in front of him right now. And that Chicago front is just so good. I'd actually prefer to start somebody along the lines of Ronald Jones or even Naheem Hines, who you waiver-wired pickup, I'd rather yeah. start him right now yeah. with the possibility of making some catches over someone like Saquon Barkley. Start wide receiver. I'm going to say Marquise Brown. I think the Ravens are going to have another big week. Uh, I feel like what Patrick Mahomes was able to do against the Houston Texans in raining type of weather and crappy weather, I feel like the Ravens, what they did to the Cleveland Browns, I think they're going to even do 
around the same, <laughs> you know, to the Houston <laughs> Texans defense. And I think Marquise Brown's going to have a big one. You know, I'm going to go with Adam Thielen, ride the train. Uh, Adam Thielen's got a uh, really, really impactful game here. Obviously, uh, had a great week one. I don't think he slows down any anytime soon. You know, they take on the Colts. The Colts, obviously, DJ Chark and all these guys had no problem in Jacksonville last week. And I'm basing it strictly on that. Their cornerbacks are very questionable over there. Their defense has got a great linebacking core and everything else, and they'll be able to stop the run over there in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook might not even be the most ideal play. you got to play him, though, at that situation. Same thing as Barkley. But at the same time, Adam Thielen, slam dunk, put him in your lineup. There's no doubt this man is going to perform. Sit wide receiver. I'm going to stick with the same game. I'm going to say Will Fuller. I feel like just Deshaun Watson getting him the ball is going to be a struggle. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to say sit Will Fuller. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly going to go with DJ Chark here. I know he had a great week one. Again, I'm, I'm taking like little, you know, I'm trying to give people the understanding that, you know, these are guys that you have on your roster. If they're week one, you probably feel really good about. But I need to give you more of a realization that DJ Chark's a great player. But that game spells low scoring all over it. I don't think anyone's going to score a lot of points in that Tennessee-Jacksonville uh, game. I'll credit both defenses where it's at. I think it's going to be a run-oriented for both sides. Unfortunately, I don't think Jacksonville is going to be able to run the ball even close to as well as Tennessee will. But I think when it comes to the passing game for both these teams, I think it's a little questionable. I also think A.J. Brown is also not a great play as well. Tight ends right before the last of the defense. So tight ends. I'm going to go with starting Logan Thomas for Washington. Somewhat of a uh, under-the-radar type of start. Say Logan Thomas against Arizona. Arizona last year gave up the most points to a tight end. So I'm going to go with uh, with Washington getting the ball to Logan Thomas. I'm going to go with Hawkinson on the Lions, I think, regarding whether or not Kenny Galladay plays. But I think they're just going to throw the ball so much he'll get his burn. And he's actually going to be turning into one of the better picks at tight end this season. I think he's one of the sleepers going in. So now my sit is going to be Darren Fells. Of the Texans, you know, there's really like a, it, it kind of just goes hand in hand with with Will Fuller. I, you know, I I think Deshaun Watson's just gonna have sh- trouble getting his receivers the ball against the Baltimore Ravens defense. I'm gonna go with Noah Fant. I think Noah Fant had a great week one, and there's definitely reasons to be really high on him. But I think it's a tough matchup against Pittsburgh. Obviously, we know what Pittsburgh defense can do. Uh, Ingram uh, for the Giants was a decent player at best that game. I think he finished with what like a seven or eight. Now, you know, I think there's a drop or two mixed in there, and obviously there was opportunities there, but I just don't see this game being a high-scoring one, and Noah Fan is not, you know, especially after his week one performance, you could be really high on him, but uh, there's reasons to uh, to doubt it this week. And now defense, my start defense is going to be the Rams. I feel like what Washington was able to do against Philly and then seeing what the front line of the Rams was able to do with Aaron Donald and able to do against I know that the Cowboys were missing Lyle Collins you know and obviously not having Travis Frederick their offensive line is still good and mm-hmm. what they were able to do against a, a pretty decent offensive line what they're going to be able to do on a, a bad offensive line like the Philadelphia Eagles I think they're just going to feast and uh, my start's going to be the Rams. Uh, for me, it's, it's strictly going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chargers are a god-awful team. I think Tyrod Taylor is a terrible quarterback. I mean, I'm going to be as strict and horribly sounding as possible. He had every opportunity to be great last week. against Cincinnati Bengals defense without yeah. Geno Atkins. He was embarrassing, to say the least. I think Kansas City Chiefs got too good of a defense. I think they're just going to cause problems all day long, and I think the Chargers are going to have a hard time scoring at all. And we'll probably game. see uh, Justin Herbert soon. So uh, yeah. my sit defense is going to be the Texans. I, I just I feel like the the Ravens are just going to run everything. Well, absolutely. Well. I don't even think you should have them rostered at, especially <laughs> yeah. you know until week three. Yeah. You know, knowing going into the season. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Denver Broncos. I think Denver. I think people think that Denver Broncos might be a decent start. Uh, they're not a bad team, but they are taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger is still healthy. That's not somebody I want to mix with. Yeah. So now, before we get out of here, Sleeper of the Week. Sleeper of the Week. My sleeper is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. I just feel like against the Jets' defense, I feel like they're going to have a somewhat of a, a flip kind of game. You know, week one, they, they fell flat on their face, and I feel like he's just going to come out and George Kittle – Hopefully, being healthy enough to play, you know, he'll get him the ball a bunch, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a decent game. When it comes to sleeper for me, it's like really kind of tough on the basis because I mean, what really like defines a sleeper? 
Yeah. You know, like well, a lot of these I... guys do have value now. It, it's really hard to put the sleeper tag on any of these guys anymore. It really is. It's really tough to do stuff like that. But for me, it's going to be Jefferson in Minnesota. I think he's a, someone that if you're really struggling, you know, if you're missing a Michael Thomas or, you know, if you're really struggling at the wide receiver position, he's someone that's definitely available on waiver wires right now. Jefferson is the number two in Minnesota. They're taking on the Colts defense. I told you about their cornerbacks. They're very, very struggle with it right now. I really think the Minnesota, I, I, I told you, Adam Thielen, I love more than anybody. And I, I really think Justin Jefferson will have a big impact as well. I think Minnesota, uh, throws that will and i'll also say kirk cousins in the quarterback position for the same reasons so that will do it shootout in a dome baby <laughs> <laughs> that will do it for week one recap we'll be back after week two next week doing the same thing what we learned best performances surprise performances disappointing performances overreactions and then our, our fantasy talks some waiver wire pickups you know and stardom sit-ems and you know look out on our instagram and Twitter to find out our power rankings of the week. We're also just adding to Amazon Music now because Amazon Music has podcasts now. We are adding to iHeartRadio. We are adding to Spotify. We're on basically anywhere you can find a podcast, we're on. And it is officially all football talk now. And it's going to be that way for as long as running up the score is around. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I, you know, this is just we're we're falling into what we know best, and uh, that will do it for this week. We'll be back next week. Look out for our videos for our picks of the week on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok too. We're on TikTok. Get those uh, get those views up. <laughs> but uh, that will do it. I'm Jerry. I'm Kevin. Be breezy. Be breezy. And it is all over. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on sports radio.